Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we're going to be talking about what we should do as Christians when we're trying to reach somebody who just doesn't care about the gospel. You're kidding. It happens, Randy. No. Believe it or not, <laughs> there are those who don't don't want anything to do with it. I know. It is hard to believe. But uh, for those of us that do run into that rare <laughs> circumstance, uh, this is a little primer on what we should do in those situations. Yeah. We're going to get to that, but... First, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors. All right, so we're back, and we are talking about what we do as Christians to reach uh, people when they're apathetic. What should we do in those situations? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that, Zach. (laughs) I'm kind of proud. I'm kind of... Kind of broken down and beaten out at this point. It's all good. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. Um, but they are out there. That's the issue. Oh my gosh, it's a huge problem. It's it's probably the number one thing. The number one thing we run up against are not people who say I disagree. I think you're wrong. It's people who say I really don't care. Um. Y- yes, I think they can be the same thing as well, though. I think oh, it yeah. can be, oh, yeah. I disagree, you're wrong, and I don't and care. And I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it can definitely You're be making both. a big deal out of this when really it's not that important. Right. Right. Uh, the, the issue, though, is like this is, this is less for um, – there, there are people out there that are non-Christians but that are seeking the truth. Yes. I think those people are more open to having a genuine conversation and learning or at least debating about Even truth. if they disagree with you. Right. I, I'm cool with that. Right. At least they're like engaged. Yeah. yeah We're yeah. talking about people that do not care. I guess part of this could fall into the category of like – no – no, I think I think this is more just catering to the people that don't care. Okay. We'll stick to that. Okay. We'll stick to that. Yeah. Maybe there's some crossover. We'll see as we go. Okay. Maybe some of this is like crossover people of, like to... to people of different faiths or people Gotcha. Like, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah. the people people that are willing to have conversation but right. aren't agreeing. Um, yes. There yes, may be yes. some crossover here. That, that's kind of a different animal altogether. Right. So we want to address the question of when you have somebody that you're trying to reach and they really... They want to hear none of it. Yeah, they don't care. They they It is not important to them at all. Right. Yep. And we live in a post-Christian culture now. I mean, at least here in the States. I mean, most of Europe... Canada, like in yeah. Western Hemisphere in general, uh, it's kind of post-Christian. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the way things go. Uh, uh, society becomes Christian, and then you get three, four, five generations on down the line, and they've kind of lost that reality of what life is like without Christ, and they just forgotten or never knew and which they don't care i mean is pretty similar to what happens to israel over and over biblically yes it so does. i mean this shouldn't exactly come as a sub- and it's surprise kind of cyclical there too right yeah. yeah i just hope we don't get like cast into babylonian exile <laughs> or, yeah, know, before yeah. we get it figured out but um you know that's that's why we're having this talk you that's know right. let's yeah. try and avoid that part what do we do what yeah do we do? so all of us have loved ones uh, members of our family neighbors colleagues, that we really want them to have what we have because we're excited about what the Lord's done for us. And when they say, I don't give a rip, okay, <laughs> it just, that for me, it, it deflates me. I don't know where to go with or, that. Or, I mean, honestly, as as bad as just saying, I don't care, is the person that's like, oh, well, that's nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the like the nice version yeah, of it is yeah, just yeah, as yeah. bad, you know. Yeah. Um 
Oh, that's good for you. Yeah, right. Because we we do live in nicety culture. Oh yeah, you know, it's oh, all yeah. about being nice. Um, so you don't probably want to say, you know, I don't give a rip. It'll it'll just be more of a, oh, okay, yep. smile, yep. pat on the head. That's good for you. Right. So those people, if we haven't painted a vivid enough picture for you of what that <laughs> looks like, um, you should have an idea of those people in your life. You know them when you meet them, right? What do we do, Randy? Yeah. That's the question. And probably the first answer that everybody comes up with is, well, pray. Right. But how do you pray? (laughs) What do you pray for specifically? First of all, it is important that we pray. I was was looking up on this, and I remembered reading this verse before, and I looked it up. Uh, It's Samuel, actually, when the people of Israel come to Samuel and say, give us a king. And Samuel just goes, he goes off the rails. He says, what in the world are you asking for a king for? God is your king. You're rejecting God. And then they get all contrite. Oh, yeah, please pray for us because we shouldn't have asked for a king. And Samuel basically says, listen, I've talked to the Lord. He's going to give you a king. You ask for it. We're going to work this out. But at the end of that little speech, he says, As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayer for you. Mm. Isn't that cool? He's going to keep praying. Yeah. And he says, if I stop praying for you, that would be a sin. Well, okay. And what's really interesting about that is he is clearly, at this moment in time, not praying because right, he's talking he's to them. Talking to them. So he's not saying like I'm going to pray continually, right, forever. Right. But that I'm going to keep you in my prayers, exactly, and I'm going to exactly. make sure it's a consistent thing in my life. Yeah. How often do we actually do that as believers? Well, we need to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. We Absolutely. do. But I think. We're bad at it sometimes. I think we are. I think there's people that are absolute prayer warriors out there. I struggle with it. I, um, something I have a hard time with in prayer is praying for like long periods of time. And if I'm praying for like a lot of people at one given time, I feel like I start losing track of what's happening. I'm just making a list. Or or like I feel like sometimes I do. I turn into that like what Jesus warns against of like don't just start rambling in prayer. And like I can do that if I'm trying to be really intentional and include a bunch of people and like all this. And so like I think there's a a beauty to like keeping prayer simple. Yeah. Of just like, oh, I do too. like right when I hear, like, okay, if somebody tells me somebody's sick or something, I try to make it a point right then to take some time, walk away, and pray, and pray. right then. Right. Right then while I'm remembering it. Yep. And, and that it way at the end of the day, I don't have a list. And, yeah, yeah. Right. Which, I mean, if you can do the list thing, if I mean, if you set aside an hour a night or whatever, if that's like your thing, that's awesome. I have a really hard time with that. Um. Okay, so I'm going to bring up a movie. I want to get your reaction to this. I don't know if you ever saw Tom Hanks in the Mr. Rogers movie. I forget what it was called. Uh, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, didn't see it. But at one point during the movie, because the movie is very overt that he is a Presbyterian minister, and actually the Presbyterian Church commissioned him uh, to do Mr. Rogers. They said, this is your ministry. And uh, he he spoke to children. Uh, he engaged with kids. He was not there to entertain them. He engaged with them, talked with them, uh, educated them. But he also, every time he would make, meet someone who had a need, he would say, I'll pray for you. And the movie was very open about doing it. And then it showed him he would swim laps every day. And it showed him as he swims laps what he is doing is he is whispering the names of the people that he said he prayed for. He doesn't necessarily say, now, John Doe has uh, cancer and wants right, to be healed right. and, and Jane uh, needs money. He would just whisper their names, but he would do it meaningfully. He'd do it slowly, and you get the impression that he is remembering his conversation with them. 
and just putting their name before the Lord. Do you think that is a positive thing? I absolutely do. Okay. I really loved it. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the whole concept of, okay, when Jesus talks about the whole, you know, don't pray these long babbling right. prayers like yes. the pagans do. Uh, well, I may be getting too mixed up because he also talks about don't be like the Pharisees who pray for everyone to see. Uh, go to a quiet place, go right. like to a closet, you know, right, right. pray to the Lord in secret who it's knows what's right. happening same in your passage. heart, right? And then he says, and when you pray, pray this way. Right. So the whole like pray to the Lord who knows, he already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what you need, right? So to put forth the name and to remember the conversation, I don't know that you have to word for word spell it out for God. He knows. He kind of knows. But, but you're coming to him with it. Yeah. You're presenting yeah. it before him yeah. still in that way. It's like I've gotten to the end of prayer times when everybody will kind of like um, like lay out what their prayer requests are. And then whoever prays will say a genuine prayer. But then at some point they'll like rather than go through each individual person say, Lord, you've heard our requests. Please yeah. honor yeah. these. Yeah. Like. That's still praying oh, about yeah. it. Like it's yeah. not like you didn't do it right or something. Right. Like that's not what this is about. It's about an honest relationship with God in which you're you're praying for that person. And if 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 that's what we allow this prayer to be, praying for someone who is uninterested, that kind of resolves one of the questions that I have, which is how do you pray for them? You can't really pray, Lord save them, because that's a choice. That they would need to make. Right. Uh, you could certainly pray, bring them into contact with other people. Uh, uh, put them in a situation that they will be confronted with your reality. Uh, things like that. But you can't pray that God's going to take away their their uh, choice right. in seeking for him. Well, I think I literally just talked to you about this. How I had a conversation with somebody a long time ago. Yeah. who had a real issue with somebody's relationship okay. and was praying to God to end that relationship. And I said, don't do that. And then it turned into this big old fight. But my argument was, it's really not our place to tell God what he needs to do to fix the situation. Yeah. Maybe God wants that relationship to be resolved. Therefore, the answer isn't to destroy it. The answer is to mend it. Fix it. You know? So like in situations where we don't know what actually needs to happen for that person to come to the Lord or to be healed or whatever, like I think one of the easiest prayers you can pray is, Lord, I want this person to know you. I want them to love you. I know you want them to know you. I know you want them to love you. Please do your will in this situation, but I pray that they would know you. And like, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Whatever you need to do. I'm not God. I don't know. I don't know what needs to happen in order for, for them to ever come to you. But please, please honor that request, you know? Yeah. Um, but but put it in his court because he's God. He's not a genie, you know. Like <laughs> he, he kind of knows what needs to happen anyway, better than we do. Right. So that's kind of become my perspective on that, and I think that's sort of similar to what you yeah, were just yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right on. So cool. pray. So pray. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else can we do? Well, you want to grab some of these? Sure, but you've got the list in front of you. And you I've got a list that I wrote down in I'll front of me tell and you nobody what, else can I'll let you that. be title guy. You go ahead and you drop the like. We already talked through these, but I can't read that from here. So like you you, you give us the like headline and then we'll just chat. I'll just run down uh, the list like I got them here. Be a role model. Okay. Show them what it means to really be a Christian. Yeah. Um, I think Jesus does that really well, biblically. I mean, I, I think Jesus, Jesus does that really well biblically. Um, I think you're right. <laughs> thanks, man. Um, yeah, we we see this like Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do biblically. Right, right. He models it at every turn. And here's the thing: he did not do what they expected him to do. They expected him to behave in a certain way, and he right. didn't do that. And that's kind of what this is about, too. It's about being a role model. And by that, we're not saying, show them how you go to church every Sunday. <laughs> right. Or, or um, you know, we live in a time where it seems like everything I hear, listen, 
I'm not trying to knock on anybody's outreach programs or anything, but also I may be about to knock on your outreach programs, so I'm sorry. But we live in a culture today where we seem to think the best thing we can do is invite people that do not care to ever step foot in a church yeah. to come to church, and they're just not probably gonna. Because that's where the change happens. Right. But but <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. Jesus no. didn't go, oh, you know, I know that you're, well, I mean, he did live in a that's very Jewish culture. Right. It's a very yeah. different yeah. thing. But like Jesus lived among side, alongside the people that he was trying to reach, and he modeled a life of righteousness and goodness, yeah, yeah. and he loved people, and he prayed for people. I mean, he really did all the things we're probably about to talk about. But point being, like, he got out and he got his hands dirty. Yeah. He didn't say, hey, come to this place so the rabbis can teach you, and then you'll learn. Exactly. And then your heart will change. Right. No, he went out and, like, interacted with people. Yeah. And we're called to do that. The Bible says, go forth and make disciples of every nation, yep. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've taught you to do. It doesn't say, go out and tell people to come to church so your pastor can, can make, make disciples, disciples of every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. No, we're supposed to be making disciples. Right. We're supposed to be baptizing. Right. We're supposed to be teaching what we can of God, what we know, right? Like, we try to outsource that, yeah. and that's not what we're commanded to do. Absolutely not. So we've no. got to get our hands dirty, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we need to learn to be a role model. Yep. Be patient. This one's not fun. No. <laughs> because I am many things, Randy, <laughs> but I am not patient. And when it comes to watching people... I th there are a few things that bother me more than when I just pour my heart out to a person and they could care less. Yeah. Like when I'm just looking at their eyes and going, "You are not registering what I'm <laughs> saying to you," and it hurts, dude. And when yep. that when when you can have conversation after conversation after conversation over the span of years and you're still not seeing a change, man, that can really be a bummer. Yeah, and it can make you want to just give up. Do you have the perception of Paul as a patient man? No. <laughs> no. I, I don't either. I personally have a perception of Paul as being a very unfun individual, <laughs> someone I would probably not like to spend much time around. Love the guy. Think yeah. he's great. Yeah. Genius. Not my idea of a good time. <clears throat> my, my idea of Paul is he was probably somebody that if I lived at that time, I would love to see him come to my church, and I would really love it when he left. <laughs> <laughs> it's like owning a boat. It's like the best day of a boat owner's life is the day he buys it and the day he sells it. That's right. Yeah, yeah that yeah, sounds yeah, accurate. Yeah. So, But Paul talks about this. He talks about being patient. He does it several times. Ephesians 4, verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fruits because of uh, faults because of your love. This is the guy that said, uh, "So take that that jerk that's not doing what what I've asked him to do and hand him over to the devil." Uh, <laughs> mm. Yeah, different context. <laughs> well, okay, but let's pair those two concepts together. Paul's calling you to be patient. So maybe the issue isn't that I just said, hey, you got to change, and then the guy didn't change immediately. Maybe it's been a months-long, years-long thing, yeah. and this guy hasn't budged an inch in that time. And Paul's like, okay, look, there comes a time That's it. when yeah. we've got we've to cut that tie. Colossians 3, uh, 12 to 14. I love this passage. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. That doesn't sound like Paul. He can. He can. With kindness, humility. Humility sounds like Paul. Gentleness. Okay, that's a stretch. And patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. 
forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. And then above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Uh, that is a great passage to memorize. If we could live that way, man, things would be different. I, this is kind of dragging us off the beaten path a little bit, but that that draws my attention to like when Paul's talking to God about the thorn in his flesh. And he's saying, please remove this thing from me. And like, I imagine Paul is being very impatient in asking for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want this thing gone. Please take it away now. Yeah. And God's response is so patient. Yeah. His response is, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. As in like... It's gonna be okay, dude. Yeah, like you got th- this. You that's got such this. an interesting uh, kind of concept when you pair it with this idea of of patience. Is like grace allows for patience. So I mean, grace kind of is patience in a yeah. way. Like yeah. you know, like God is slow to anger, right? He's patient in his anger. We should be patient with what we expect of God and what we expect of others. Yeah. And and that can be really hard, but we have the Holy Spirit working through us as believers, and we can be patient, even if we don't want to be. Part of of patience, I think, especially when you're dealing with someone who just doesn't care, part of patience is not giving up. Not saying, okay, that's it. I tried. I gave him the message. I gave him the gospel. That's It's over. Yeah. Hang it in there. Yeah. I, I'm, having a, I'm having a hard time explaining patience uh, in that way, like hanging in there, without moving forward to the next, well, actually skipping a point and hitting what you've got there for five. Yeah, yeah. You want to jump there? Uh, yep. Plant seeds. Yep. Okay. Because I think that's what what you're saying. Yeah. Is yeah. part of being patient is taking action. But it's kind of reading the room. It's 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 not um when we say planting seeds, we don't mean every time you come in contact with this person forever, just badger them with information. It's like, no, like listen to them. Right. Listen to what they're saying, listen to their story. Um Something we talk about, I'm, I'm doing a class right now called Hope Dealer, made by my friend Mike Wigan, who was on the podcast when we talked about uh, Christ Together. Great episode. Go check it out. Um, but <clears throat> one of the things we talk about is bridge conversations and how we need to listen to the people around us. And we actually talk about how to listen, how to actively listen, how to not just wait for your moment to talk, but to actually hear what they're saying. And if a person is saying like, hey, you know, like, for example, you know, I'm having a bad relationship, like me and my girlfriend or wife or boyfriend or whatever, we're just going through a rough patch, we're just having a really hard time, um, that's, a, that's a point where maybe like you could then go, oh, hey, well, I've had one of those moments, like I've been through relationship troubles, you know, I know, I know what that's like, or maybe you don't know what that's like. Maybe you've never been in a relationship in your life, but you could say like, you know, I, I don't really know what that's like, but I have had relationship troubles with my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can relate somehow. How can you relate? And then make it about God and say, but I went to God with my problems and he saw me through it and my church family came around me and they upheld me. And my accountability partners in Christ, they gave me good advice and wisdom or they just listened or whatever. And it got better. And maybe that's one way you could approach it or you could give them biblical advice, whatever. But then after you do that, put it back in their court and go, hey, but you know, like, I don't know how you feel about that. Or maybe, you know, maybe you like this stuff, maybe you don't, whatever. But like, how can I help you? And then you're just there for them. Yeah. So like. You gave them the gospel, but you gave them love too. And you show them, hey, I can talk about that stuff, or we can just talk about you, but you put the ball in their court. You're not shoving it down their throat. You're not running them off. That's a big deal when it comes to planting seeds and being patient. So, Okay, so planting seeds is a metaphor. Let's play that metaphor out. When a farmer plants a seed, he, he takes something that he hopes will grow. For us, that's the gospel. 
So we put the gospel out there for somebody. We want to see the gospel grow. When I come back two days from then, I don't come back with another seed to cram in that 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 same spot. I come back with a watering can. Mm-hmm. And I put something else there. I put water there. And maybe a week later, I come back with fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And I put fertilizer. It's, it's not more seed. The seed is there. I want that seed to go. Now, the metaphor breaks down because I'm not saying that you make one presentation of the gospel. But sometimes when we interact with that person, we don't have to be hitting the gospel every single time. Sometimes we can just be listening. Maybe they already know the gospel. Maybe they need love. If if Maybe. we have shared it with them, they at least know what we presented as a gospel. Or maybe not even you, maybe somebody else has, True. right? Yeah. Like, that's another thing that I think is worth talking about, and it probably ties into with some of the other points we're going to hit. But you don't have to be the one to plant the seed, water the seed, right. add the fertilizer, and reap the harvest. Right. That That may not all be you. It may not be able to be you. Like, you may have family members. Like, I'll be honest. Like, when, when I would argue with my dad over biblical matters, and we did all the time, because he had his ideas, I had my ideas, and, like, I, I think we were both standing on, you know, orthodox Christian values, but at the same time we had our disagreements. But there were things that I was never going to get through to my dad on, and there were things he was never going to get through to me on, because it was a father-son relationship. It would have taken one of his like peers to reach him on certain issues right, that right. I never could. It's probably the same for you and whoever you're talking to. So maybe you're not the one to do it all. Maybe you've just got to play your little part. And that's why I think it's good to think of it as a, a seed or like a piece of a mosaic. You know, you know what a mosaic is, right? Oh, yeah. So like big picture made up of a lot of little pictures. Little pictures. You're just maybe one small tile in the larger picture. And the goal is we keep touching back with them and we keep piecing together more and more tiles that eventually one day they see the bigger picture, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, right? But there's a whole lot of other people probably contributing tiles to that as well. And we've got to realize that. Paul actually talks about exactly what you just said uh, when he writes the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos, another one of his co-workers, Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. So, yeah, we each have a part. Mm-hmm. Um, some of, of uh, what you've talked about in Hope Dealers is that people need, on an average, I think it's like 25 touches. I've read that before, too. Yeah, I mean, that came up more in conversation. That's not really part of our curriculum. And I have heard something similar to that. I don't know what the exact number is, but the point is... And it's probably different with each change of, of culture. Point being, though, it takes a lot of contact with the gospel. Yeah. Somebody's probably not going to just relinquish their faith to Jesus Christ upon the first time of hearing the gospel. Right. It happens. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But we shouldn't expect that to be the norm. That's right. We should be very prepared to to be in this for the long run with somebody. I think, too, of... uh, We've got a guy that works with us here at the church. Bob Anderson is a a fantastic fellow. He's the pastor of uh, CARE. And uh, he was on here in a podcast, in that podcast. He said the three most important words in the English language. And when I heard him start that sentence, I thought, yeah, 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 I love you. It's not what it is. Tell me more. (laughs) Bob listens. And he really doesn't give advice. He's just willing to listen. Now, there comes times when he is, but... He's there primarily to listen. There's something very biblical about that. There is. We should listen more than we speak. I mean, how many Proverbs are all about keep a tight leash on your tongue? A fool speaks with many words. You know, like, we we don't listen as much as we speak. No, no. 
way too many times, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel. When you're speaking, I'm not listening to you. I'm thinking about what am I going to say next? How do I get this just right so that you accept the Lord? And there's something disarming to people when they notice that you're actually listening. Yeah. When people see that you are actually computing the the information they're sending your way, I think they are then more apt to listen to what you're saying. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, they're actually here listening, looking at me, hearing me, not just trying to indoctrinate me. Right. Like, it's different. It's, in a sense, serving them. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what it is. How many people go unheard? How how often do you feel unheard? Absolutely. I do all the time, you know? I'm like, sorry, what would you say? I wouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm done. See you later. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a thing. It is, it is, it is. Okay, so we skipped one. What was our other one between? Confront. Ooh. There comes a time when you have to stand up and say, no, no, that's wrong. Uh, let me show you why it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know what? I think you've got to be selective with what you confront. Oh, man, do you ever. I think we need to come back and, and talk about how to make that choice. But... Let me just read this, uh, Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. But be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. So Paul talks about restoring someone through confrontation, but he uses two words that generally we do not associate with confrontation. Gently and humbly. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> whoa. anybody uh, with YouTube installed on their phone or going <laughs> to the, the website have participated in the comment section once or twice. I also am guilty. And there's just something about being on the, like, like in attack mode when entering the comment section of anything <laughs> online. Like, your guard's up, you're, like, ready to, like, fight back if need be, you know, because you know that criticism's about to happen. That's right. Like, That's you right. know it's coming. So, like, it can be hard to be humble and gentle it can, it can. when confronting somebody. I have a friend from Ireland, uh, Stephen Williamson, and uh, he, he's a great guy. Just he's a, He is a, an Irish Bob Anderson. Okay. Uh, he's uh, just a, a sweetheart of a fellow. When he disagrees with you, he'll look at you and he'll say, Zach, I'd love to agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. So passive aggressive in all the right ways. That's so funny. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was thinking about like, what I said earlier about uh, choosing your battles, like on what you're going to yeah, confront. Yeah. Um, we've all got people in our lives that critique every little thing. And that just makes you not want to listen to any of their critique. Right. right? right. Um, I've got some friends who cuss like sailors. Right. Absolutely. Right. Like it's just, they don't even give it a second thought. And and to it's them, it's natural. no big deal. Right. Right. Yeah. right? And, uh, and I'm working on them a little bit at a time. And I never, ever get on to them about cussing. I just don't. I don't bring it up because I know they don't even think about it and there's bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And uh, But I knew that there was going to be a kid in the room. And so I called them all out and I said, hey, y'all, at this time today, you're not going to talk like that, okay? And it was like they all kind of stopped and were like, okay gosh like but like they listened and like it's the fact that i never do that to them right like yeah, i yeah, never yeah, yeah. really like i i'm very sparing on when i do get to a point where i'm like hey you will not do this now and they're like okay like it, it was interesting and when the child was there did they not at all there you go not at all but uh it, it was kind of kind of fun to be like okay 
So that worked. So now, <laughs> now I gotta not get on to them for a while. About but it that. probably worked exactly because you're not nagging them, about right? Them and they know the I don't. So yeah. the fact that I did bring it up very seriously, like, "Hey, you're not gonna do that right now." They're like, "Okay, cool." Like, yeah. so I I do think there's. Um, I'm not saying that if you just every once in a while come to your friend, and you're like, "You need to believe in Jesus." They're gonna be like, "Okay," like, no, probably not. But point being, like. If you're not the kind of person to just always be on their case, you're going to be well-received more likely. Right. Um, right. And when I say on their case, I mean criticizing. Right. Uh, I think we should definitely be out there planting seeds of the gospel, but like Paul just said, in a gentle and humble yeah. way. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. out of love, right? Everything out of love. And criticism is generally not out of love. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. So... Uh, one of the rules of thumbs that I usually follow is if somebody is attacking me, I'm uh, okay. Attack me, you know. It's, right. Let's keep talking. Uh, if they attack somebody I love, mm. then I don't go after them, but I let them know, hey, no, that's either that's inappropriate or no, you misunderstood. That's not what they think. You're talking about. verbally, right? Right. Yeah. But if somebody really attacks the Lord, uh, I just don't see. That's time for confrontation. Hmm. Yeah. I. I get where I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I try to confront people. Like I've had people straight up just be like, oh, "Yeah, well, oh, you mean him because he's not real," and I'll like. I've found that if I get too defensive at that point, right. I'll lose them in the conversation. Okay. Um, and so at this point, I've tried to learn how to ask questions then to go, he's not real, but what do you mean by that? And how did you come exactly. to that conclusion? And then it turns into a conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, it depends but on the day. I see that as the, the appropriate kind of confrontation that you need to Okay, be sure. It's not... It's not, yes, he is, I'll, so know, that's I'll kinda, beat this into you. It's, yeah, 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 I got you. That's kind of yeah. my fault because this word confrontation is a really hard yeah. hard thing to wrap our head around because what Scripture is talking about versus what we generally mean by confrontation yeah, yeah. are probably two different things. Like when I think confrontation in a Western modern-day scope – People are laying hands on each other. You know, what I mean? yeah, like people yeah. are throwing hands. Yep, I shouldn't yep, say yep. laying hands, throwing hands. <laughs> uh, like it's a fight a lot of yeah. the time, or it's a verbal altercation. Like right. it's angry. Right. Um, that's not really what's being talked about here. It's more. Oh, no. It's no, more no, no, no. laying it out as it is, stating yeah. it factually, calling it out. Well, Jesus gives a what is it? A four part process for confrontation. Go to the person privately. They don't receive you. Go with two or three witnesses. They don't receive you. Go uh, take it before the church. If they don't listen to the church, kick them out. At that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, remove them from your fellowship. Yeah. Well, and that's with believers. And that's with believers. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, it's a little different process. So, but yeah, point being, yeah, it's go but to it's them. reason. It's go reason. To, yeah. And it's not a belligerent. I'm yelling at you from the very start. It's, right. Let's really try to work this out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So confront them. Okay. What else we got? Well, we already talked about this, but let's make it a full point. Love or serve them. Or love and serve them. Love them by serving them. Yeah. And you don't have to be, again, throwing the gospel out there every time. Eh, I'm doing this because I want you to believe it's... Or what do you need? Right, because then it's a transaction. Exactly. And that's not what you're after. Right. Jesus never went to anybody who was sick and said, now if I heal you, will you follow me? (laughs) (laughs) He just said, dude, you're sick. Let me take care of that for you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So basically... I look at like, okay, so you got all these times and you're like, 
yeah, we should be out there planting seeds, right? We should be confronting people from time to time. We should be planting seeds when we have the opening. Right. right? Read right, the room. Right. Be 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 clever about this. Right. Be sh- be, uh, be shrewd, shrewd, right? Yeah. Don't just be wise. Don't just go in guns blazing every time right. you see them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got all that happening sporadically when when it's the right time for each of those things. And all those times in between, you can be loving people. Yeah. And that is just a, like you said, it's serving people. It doesn't have to be connected to the gospel. It's just a matter of what's the right thing to do. Right. Right? Do, do I buy them a coffee today? Do I, you know, watch their kids for 10 minutes while they run next door? Whatever. You know, what? whatever it is. Anything. Help like, them change a tire. Right. Or clean out their, their gutters or, you know, whatever. Right. Whatever. How can I love them? And love is generally a sacrificial thing. It means you're going to you're going to be giving up your time, your right. money, right. your comfort, yep. your whatever. But it's usually uh, at the expense of something of yours for the good of someone else. That is right. love, right. and it's also something that generally relates back to the gifts that God has given you. Right. So I. If he's giving you the gift of hospitality, maybe the way that you serve and love other people is by taking them a plate of cookies. Dude, if I take them a plate of cookies, that's usually cause for confrontation and fistfights. They're not going <laughs> to be good. They're not going to be good. <laughs> okay, remind me to never eat Randy's cookies. Got it. Um, yeah, but our gifts, you know, whether that's serving in a practical way or or caring for them. Going over and listening to them can be another way to serve them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All kinds of different ways. Okay. What else we got? The last one. Walk away. Yeah. When do you reach the point that you got to say, okay, everything I'm doing is going the wrong way? Well... We, I think we would have had to have exhausted all other things. We don't start with walking away. No, walking <laughs> away is the, it's the last step on this right, r- right. list for a reason. And these are in no particular order, but that one is. That one is. That's the last one. Right? I guess start with prayer. That's always a good one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, everything yeah. else can jumble, right? Um, patience is a big one here too, right? Like, we talked about this. Even even Paul talking about the confrontation of yeah. people in the church, whatever, and then they don't hear you out. Well, then you need to disfellowship them. That's still got to be a patient process because we are to be patient, right? So, like, this isn't like, oh, I gave it a week and they didn't buy it, so I'm done with them for good. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe. Um, but I would say that's more rare that it's a short term thing that doesn't pay off. So then you need to walk away. Um, I, I guess if people are being hostile towards you, if you're in danger, if you're in a situation where, um, you're being threatened or something, yeah, I'd say yeah. Yeah. Y- you should pray about it and it's, you're going to notice, we're going to keep mentioning you, you should pray about this. Yes. This is a constant thing of prayer. Constantly be praying like, when is it time to walk away? Um, God will make that clear to you. But if you're being threatened, more than likely, you probably need to get out of there at some point. Um, Don't stay forever. And the purpose in walking away is, I think, when you recognize that your very presence, the fact that you're there, and they know that you're trying to win them to the Lord, that's just driving them deeper into rejection. That's one. I think another one is, let's say you have been planting seeds. Let's say you have been loving them. Let's say you have been patient with them. Um, doing all these things, right? They... There's another chance that this person really likes you and that they really like you in their life, but they're just not buying what you're selling. Right. Right. They're just not buying this gospel thing. Right. Right. Well, there may come a time where 
if you walk away, they're going to notice that goodness has left their life now. <laughs> that little glimpse of God is gone now. I mean, this is kind of the whole disfellowship concept with yeah, it is. It with, is. Right. hand them over to the devil right. in the hopes that the they will return, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the whole point of removing somebody from the church is never to keep them out of the church. It's that they miss the church and they miss and the fellowship back. and they miss yeah. God, yeah, and they come back into the fold. So sometimes by walking away, we may actually make more of an impact in not being there or I guess the influence we had had, now that it's gone, it will be more noticeable to them. So I got a good example of this. Okay. And it, it comes from the life of Jesus. There was a time when Jesus began his ministry. Uh, he preached to everybody, and he actually, at the beginning of his ministry, he sought out Pharisees. He would talk to them. He'd, he'd uh, eat with them. He'd, he'd share with them. And then there came a point when the Pharisees began to say, this man casts out demons by the power of demons. He's possessed by the chief demon, Beelzebub. Mm -hmm. And it is at that point that Jesus does two things. One is he starts telling people at that point, he didn't do it before, but from that point on, he tells people who he has healed, don't tell anybody about it tells people who uh, he has done some kind of a miracle, don't say anything. Hmm. Just keep this private. The second thing that he does, he stops seeking out the Pharisees. Now, they still come to him, and he responds to them, but the response is quick, and then he leaves, and he goes his own way. Jesus distances himself from the Pharisees, and you know what happened in Acts chapter 15, verse 5, it refers to members of the Christian church who were also Pharisees. It worked. He walks away from the Pharisees. Then from a distance, the Pharisees look and see what's going on. And gradually, many of them begin to come to him. Hmm. Okay. I think that's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, while we're pointing out scriptural references, I was thinking about Matthew 10 uh, when he's sending out the 12. Yeah. Um, yep. So, Matthew, or, uh, let's see, Matthew 10, let's start at 11. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house. Until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the, on the day of judgment than for that town. And so he's kind of talking about these like whole groups of people, these whole towns. And, like, if the town is just, like, not having it, if they just don't want to hear the gospel, there comes a time when you got to move on. you just got to say, I'm giving up on this town for now. And on this one, he was sending them out on a, on a mission trip. He was saying, don't waste your time. If they don't want to listen, go on to the next well, town. This is sort of the don't throw your pearls before swine. Yeah. Right, yeah. like don't waste your jewels on pigs. <laughs> like they, a pig doesn't know what to do with with <laughs> Probably pearls. Probably going to eat it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, like, don't waste it. Um, like we said, this is not where you start. This is a last right. ditch move. Right. Right. Um, this is the hail mary, hoping something that, that ter yeah. bad term, football term, <laughs> football hail mary. Um, <laughs> we like Mary. We just hear it, salty saints don't. <laughs> pray to her or anything but whatever um so i guess i guess it's really it boils down to you being very intentional and thinking it through and saying is this the right time but more than that it's about praying to god to let you know when it's time to walk away yeah. and having good uh wise Christian brothers and sisters around you that can also help you.
determine that. It's it's kind of this holistic thing. You got to do everything else on this list first. Be praying about it. Have people around you that can help you. You be thinking about it. And if nothing else is working, it may benefit you to walk away. It may benefit them to walk away. So back over those seven things. A little bit different order here. Start by praying. Sure. Pray for them. Uh, Sometimes that can be as simple as remembering them, presenting (laughs) their name before the Lord and saying, Lord, you know what they need. Please give them that. And and praying for wisdom that you give them what what they need. That the Lord help you know how to do it. Be a role model. Always be a role model. Be a good Christian in front of them. That does not mean do the things that uh, culture thinks good Christians do. It does mean what Jesus would do. Which do means that. we've got to read our Bibles to know that. That's right. And we've, we've got, got to pray to, to know that. <laughs> okay. Be patient. Yep. Uh, uh, don't give up. Just, just keep plugging on. Uh, be patient with them. Plant seeds when uh, the opportunity presents itself. Love and serve them when they have a definite need. When the time requires it, be willing to confront. And if everything else just hasn't worked, consider the possibility of walking away. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a lot. When you first came to me with this concept, I thought, eh, we can maybe talk two or three things, but that's actually a decent list. Yeah. Seven different things. Yeah. 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 Kudos to Frank Turek for this one. He put out a quick uh, yeah. snippet of a video. I think he had four things. I think we added three or four on yeah, top of yeah, that, yeah, we, however many we've got exactly. there. But uh, we kind of just filled in a few blanks to iron out a few wrinkles, yeah. make it clear what we're talking about. Yep. But uh, yeah, great little video. Anything Frank Turek's usually great. So check him out. Um, you got anything else, Randy? I really don't. All right. Not on this topic. Excellent. Well, we'll get on to another one soon. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. If you um, have any questions, you can send those in to saltysaintspodcast.com. Uh, uh, we've got hookups on there. You can send us uh, voicemail or email, whatever. It'll come to us. Um, we've actually been getting some good questions lately. We're going to answer some of those yeah. soon, so I'm excited about that. Um, make sure to check out our friends over at lifeaudio.com. They are our partners in crime. They've got lots and lots of podcasts on Christian living and relationships and raising a family and reading your Bible and history of the church and and all that stuff. It's a really good, uh, little library that's just been growing and growing. Um, so check that out. Check out some of those podcasts and until next time, stay salty. Hey there, it's Nicole Yunus, host of the How to Study the Bible podcast, where every single week we join together to encounter God through His Word. You can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.